Hey guys, this is Kyle Klammer. And this is Zach Welch. And this is The Good Life Bowhunter, the official podcast of the NBA. Boy, howdy, we are back, my friend. <laughs> we are back. Fun. It's it has been a while. I had to it's kind of slow down while I said that the official podcast of the NBA, because it's a while since I've had to say that. <laughs> I had to yeah. remind myself it was the right thing, but yeah, now we're back. Yeah, it's been kind of a weird past couple months. I just feel like, you know, you were gone in Alaska and then, uh, you know, you kind of on your rotations and stuff. And, man, you know, summer's always just busy the way it is. I know. But We've been trying to record one here for a few weeks since I've been back. And it seems like, you know, between your, your dad duties and stuff and my school and that, it's just yeah hard to find the time. But I'm glad we could get this one going, though. Yeah, man, absolutely, for sure. So um well i guess uh first things first just uh i don't know do you have any i think we just asked you just a second ago but it didn't sound like any pressing nba announcements or anything we needed to touch on i don't think so um yeah you know sound like the nba jamboree went well i wasn't able to make it but you were down there it sounded like it was a good turnout yeah no man it was great it's just you know it's always so much fun and I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I, I know I've, we've said it so many times on this podcast, but just if you haven't gone to any of those, you know, the banquet or the, the jamboree, you know, definitely need to check it out sometime. It was very well run. I thought, uh, uh, Nate and Eric did a really nice job. And so uh, hats off to them. And then, you know, just everybody that volunteered, I mean, you know, it doesn't take that much time. Like if just, you know, I think we, we talked about that a while back, you know, just kind of, volunteering just for here and I mean I helped with the distance shoot you know it's like it took like you know two hours of my whole weekend you know and then just whenever you know help serve the meal and stuff and do a few exactly. things here and there but yeah um, it's a good opportunity oftentimes you get to kind of meet an NBA member that yeah otherwise you really wouldn't have got to know if you didn't volunteer and help out exactly yep exactly yeah some people that maybe you wouldn't uh yeah you wouldn't necessarily get a meet like you said you know so it's it's a good thing but no i thought it was really really fun um geez that's already been a month ago <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> yeah. yeah i just i can't believe i i keep i kept feeling like i'm leaving to go antelope hunting on wednesday here and i i kept thinking like uh you know it just felt so far away and now it's like now it's here you know, yeah now it's here like getting ready to leave kinda, here in two days so <laughs> kind of weird looking at your phone your computer whatever you see that month of september pop up on the date and it's like man how's it already september it's just yeah time has flown crept up on us faster than ever it seems like this year yeah for sure well let's uh let's just jump right into it buddy um i want to hear i think everybody wants to hear but why don't you tell us about your uh Alaskan voyage here man it sounded pretty awesome and uh obviously you ended up getting to caribou spoiler alert but uh yeah give me give us the rundown man man I don't even know where to start with this deal I uh I've been dreaming about going up there for man I don't know since I was a youngster um it was it was incredible I actually so how this hunt came together, I guess I should go through that first because I, I, I owe some people huge on this one. We got back in, I believe it was over spring break in March, I'd called up a good friend of mine in Anchorage and kind of talked to him about 
possibly moving up there when I graduate in May and had a good conversation with him and he actually ended up inviting me up to go hunt the hall road with him and so that was that I talked it over with the parents of course my dad was on board and my mom I knew the struggle would be with her getting her on board and so I made a deal with her that if I I had a few weeks off I like you said I had a clinical this summer out in Wyoming and had that going full time, was pretty busy with that. And I had a few weeks off actually until, you know, the last part of August before classes started again. And I said, if I work for a few weeks um, after clinical and then save up some money, you know, I, I'll go to Alaska. If you're, if, if uh, you'd let me go to Alaska, if I find a part-time job in my time off. So when I was done with clinical, I got back to Ainsworth and went straight to work and saved up some cash and ended up flying up there. I think it was one of the last two days of July. I can't remember for sure which one, but anyways, like the season Tuesday opened before the jam or the yeah Tuesday before the jamboree or something. I think it was. yeah, I think I I flew out on a Friday before Friday. the jamboree started. Yep, yep. And uh, anyways, flew up to Anchorage and uh, my buddy picked me up at the airport and he's made the trip up there several times and. You know, I had done done my research over the summer, listened to podcasts, pretty much took in all the information I could get. And uh, so how how this was going to work is the season opens on August 1st for non-residents. So uh, the plan was I was going to drive up his rig all the way up to the Hall Road, which those of you listening, um, if you haven't heard of the Hall Road, it's just north of Fairbanks and goes all the way to, to, Dead, to Dead Horse, which is pretty much the top of the world I mean right to where the Arctic Ocean is um anyways my the plan was to drive up Trevor which is my friend his rig all the way up there and the dead horse has an airport and he was going to fly in the following Friday and I believe August 1st was a shoot was it a Sunday Sunday or Monday maybe anyways yeah um Sunday. Yep. It was Sunday. Okay. So I flew in on a Friday and, uh, of course I got in Friday late at night, couldn't sleep, ended up getting up early Saturday morning and making the drive pretty much all the way up there. And man, to where you start caribou hunting from Anchorage, it's a good, if I had to say it was probably 15, 16 hours, maybe mm-hmm. up there, but man, that was a gorgeous drive. I mean, talk about getting to see pretty much the whole state of Alaska. It's amazing getting to see how it changes from Anchorage, you know, the big mountains there to drive up through kind of moose country up by Fairbanks, those kind of thick forest and swamps and stuff. Then up towards Attigan Pass, where when you think of doll sheep hunting, man, that's, that place just screams a doll sheep. I mean, yeah. mountain peaks as big as I've ever seen and just green slopes. And man, I, I took a lot of pictures. It was a pretty gorgeous drive. So that helped pass the time, but uh, sleep, sleep deprivation started to catch up with me. Kind of, I think I can't remember what time I left Anchorage, but I drove all the way up to Coldfoot and got a little past there and decided to, uh, better get a few hours of sleep before I started caribou hunting the next day. So got a good night's sleep, got up the next morning and had a few hours left to drive and went over the pass. And as soon as you get over the pass, you drop down on the tundra and you're pretty much free to start hunting right there. You can start seeing caribou anywhere. And uh, just to save you a lot of grief, those first three days, to say the least, it was pretty slow. I mean, covered a lot of miles. And uh, I saw 
handful of cows and calves and I saw one bull I could have went after that was in the construction zone so I uh, couldn't even really gone after him uh, so that was kind of a that was kind of a kick right to right to start I, I did get to see a grizzly and a wolf so that, that was pretty cool um, but other than that I hadn't seen much and it was day three and I was down um, Galbraith Lake is kind of where you start seeing caribou it's right down after you come off the pass and uh, kind of the first spot on the Hall Road where it kind of turns to tundra and you can actually get cell phone service there it's one of the two places you can get cell phone service um, otherwise it's all in reach and satellite phone for the most part and uh, anyways I pulled into Galbraith Lake and had kind of covered everything and decided to stop and make some lunch. It was kind of midday and decided I'd check my phone notifications and touch base with like Trevor and, you know, my parents and stuff. And I get a text from our buddy, Nick, which Nick is a good buddy of Trevor and I's and he had been up there hunting. He's an Alaska resident and they can start hunting in July actually. And so I get a text from Nick and he's like, Hey, my buddy's up all the way by dead horse and he sees some bulls he's in need of a raft he can't get across the river and trevor threw in a raft with me so i'm like oh well might as well go try to find some caribou so he gave me his buddy's number and i'm like well i can come up with a raft but it's i mean from galbraith lake to dead horse is several hours and i'm like by the time i get there they're probably going to be gone and uh nick anyways like well i don't think the caribou are going anywhere and i kind of figured well there's no caribou down here I might as well go give it a shot. So I started to drive up there and several hours later I got there. And of course, by then the caribou were long gone that his buddy had seen, but at least I was up there, you know? And so I kind of pull off along the river and then glass and across and I spot the first little group of bulls that I could go after. And uh, I actually got a text from Trevor. He's like, man, I forgot to throw some paddles in with that raft. I'm an idiot. I'm just like, well, here I got this raft and bulls across the river and there's nothing I can do about it. If I don't have paddles, I'm not going to risk it. And Trevor kind of texted and said, well, I can, I can bring some paddles up with me Friday. And uh, so I didn't pull out the raft because it was all the way in the front of the, the pickup or whatever and under the topper. And so I kind of went down to the edge of the river, tried to feel how deep it was going to be, see if I could wade across and get to the bulls. And no way that was going to happen. That water was ice cold and the current was ripping through there. It's like, man, if I went down in this stuff alone, it, it wouldn't be good. So I had to kind of watch those bulls and kind of just, you know, nothing I could do about that, but it was nice to actually be in caribou and, and, uh, actually have something to go after kind of boosted my spirits a little bit. So, uh, I went into dead horse actually and got gas and just a tidbit of information for those you know, who are curious or want to go hunt the whole road, dead horse and cold foot are the only two places you can get gas on the whole road. So you got to have barrels and extra cans with you. And, um, the two towns, I say towns, they aren't really even towns, but, uh, um, they're about six hours apart if I had the guest. So you're looking at a pretty good chunk of road there. Um, anyways, I went in to get gas and, and stuff and I'm driving back down the road and I see a huge bull out on the tundra crossing it. And so I, this was the first stock I got to go on. And I'm kind of at this point deciding what to do because uh, Nick had told me, he's like, man, any day they're going to be at Galbraith Lake. Just I'm telling you any day, if you're patient, they're going to show up. 
and Galbraith was just where I'd come from several hours away. And uh, I was kind of deciding what to do, if I should go back down there and play the waiting game since I had a couple weeks, or if I should go up here where I was actually seeing caribou. But once you get that far north, there's hardly any cover, and it's just as flat as you can imagine. It looks like the moon up there. Um, anyways, I was trying to decide what to do, and I see this big bull coming across. And so I parked the rig. I kind of run to get in front of him, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden here he pops up over the lip. And I range him at 83 yards, and this thing was giant. I mean, one of the biggest bulls I had seen the whole trip, if not maybe the biggest. And he's running, and he's he, I'll never forget, he's standing up on this brim, like, looking around, and he just looks down and locks eyes with me. And I was, like, putting tension on my string to get ready to shoot him, you know, and he's quartering to me, and he runs out to 105. And this thing was just massive, I mean – I would have been a, I would have been a broke man probably if I shot this thing because he would have had to go on the wall because this thing was, I mean, the caribou of a lifetime. That's what's fun about the Hall Road is you see just bulls of every caliber there. I mean, you have just as good a shot of shooting a booner there as anywhere. Um, that's what's fun about it. Anyways, he he ran off or whatever, and uh, I I went back to my rig and I'm sitting there deciding what to do. I'm just like, man, it is so open here. It's so flat. Um, but there's caribou here. I was like, I'll, I'll stay here for a couple days at least and maybe go check out Galbraith um, after a couple days of giving it a shot here. And uh, I'm sitting there in my rig kind of trying to find a spot to camp. And this is where I got to rewind a little bit. I, uh, the week before I left, I saw this kid, uh, his name's Connor on Instagram. He had posted, had a little story that said he was going to Alaska. And so anyways, I Long story short, I sent him a message asking if he was doing a fly-in hunt for caribou or hunting the Hall Road, and uh, turns out he's from South Dakota. Um, I gave him my number and everything, never expected to run into him, and I get a text from him right there, and uh, should mention also Dead Horse is the other spot you can get service on the road, and he asked where I was camping, and I, I had explained to him I was down by Galbraith Lake, but was currently up by Dead Horse, and he's like, well, we're 10 miles south of Dead Horse, and I'm like, well, that's like a couple miles from me and long story short him and his two brothers and his dad were camped there and they he's like well come come say hi or whatever and at that point I was just excited to talk to somebody I'd been alone for several days and you know when you were the only person you get to talk to yourself you start to go stir crazy after a few days and I'll go, I'll, I'll go pull in there and talk to him and so I pull in and there's three dead bulls there by the fire I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. I've been out here for three days alone, and these guys already have three bulls down, and I pull in there, and, man, they were just great guys. I mean, just hit it off right from the bat. Um, you know, three brothers close to my age, and then their old man, and uh, they just had an awesome camp and everything. They offered me some real food and stuff, and it was like, it was just so nice to have somebody to talk to. And anyways we get to talking, we're telling stories and stuff. They're telling the stories about their bowls and it gets to be like, I don't know, one thirty-two in the morning. And it's just that far North. It's light almost 24 hours a day. And it's me, Connor and his other brother sitting there by the fire. And, and Connor's like, dude, let's go find a bowl. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. Sure. And so we go out, you know, and, uh, should mention we dug out the wrap from the front of the topper. Cause I kind of, I kind of pulled out my stuff to make camp there and stuff to organize my stuff. And 
lo and behold, there's the two paddles in the bottom of the raft bag. So we had <laughs> ended up, we actually did have a raft. And uh, so anyways, we are up the raft and take off and decide to go try to spot a bowl across the river since we had seen so many across there and it seemed no one else in there even had a raft. So we kind of had that advantage to us. And anyways, we made it, we made it down the road a few miles and spot a group of three bowls across the river. Like here we go. We pulled off, parked the rig, grabbed the raft, and took off. And we crossed the channel. And uh, actually, where we spotted these bulls, there's a brim that ran along the river that was like the only cover within miles that we could see. And so we kind of the bulls that were actually in a good spot. They were um, on this one side of the brim. We're like, well, we can pretty much crawl right down and be on top of these things if they stay right there. So. We start crawling along the brim and uh, we get within 200 yards of the bowl and he beds on this gravel bar, it looks like. And Connor and his brother stay behind. They're like, you belly crawl along the brim. And I mean, by the time you get to the end of this brim, um, you're going to be within probably 100 yards of the bowl. And so I'm belly crawling along this little ledge and I uh, kind of pop over it and I see where he's bedded on this gravel bar what looks like right along the river and he starts kind of putting his head down and looking pretty sleepy and he's facing away from him like this is working perfect like he has no idea I'm here I'm just inching my way along and I I look ahead of me and there's a drop off that looks like it drops down kind of along the riverbank but I can just see him bedded out on this gravel bar in a channel on the other side and I crawl up to the ledge to slip down it and start belly crawling along the gravel bar. And I look and there's water in front of me and it's maybe six foot across, but the current's ripping through there. And so I get down along the edge of the water and the gravel bars on the other side of the water. And the bull at this point is maybe 115, 110 yards. And he's like almost going to sleep at this point. So I slip my boots off and I'm like trying to feel with my foot, like how deep the water is. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to go over my waist or what. And I'm feeling it. And this water is just ice cold. I mean, you got to understand this river is, I mean, like glacial melt and stuff. Like it's freezing water. And it's like, man, I don't want to step into this river right now and lose my footing. And, you know, I got my bow in my hand, my range finder. I mean, not only if you slip is the stock up, but you're, you can get in serious trouble on this stuff. And uh, back a couple hundred yards from where Connor and his brother were sitting, I mean, it's so flat, it looks like there's nothing there. But when you get close, you see that there's a little, this river braid so many times that you don't know, you know, they might braid four or five times across the tundra and it could be several hundred yards apart. And anyways, I look back at Connor and I'm like pointing down at my feet, making a wave sign. And he's like tossing his hands up. He's like, dude, what are you doing? Like the bull's right there, like just crawl he has no idea you're there and he didn't understand there's water in front of me and I decided I wasn't going to risk it I mean it's you like I said you fall there you're in deep trouble um so I just kind of had to stand there by the bank and I kind of tried to circle a little bit to get a few yards closer and he finally stood up and saw me and he was 105 yards and uh, so I was right there another you know 25 yards if I you know would have been right there in shooting range and so that kind of hurt a little bit. The bull took off and I went back to Connor and he came walking over and I showed him where the water was He's like, dude, I could not see that from a couple hundred yards back. It's so flat. It's just deceiving. It's hard to see terrain features and where the river braids exactly. 
So anyways, uh, long story short, that bull got away and we went back to camp and got some sleep that night and actually slept in quite a bit the next morning because by the time we got back as well after 3 a.m., if I remember right. And anyways, to get up the next morning and kind of make a game plan and Connor's one brother said he was going to go with his dad and Connor and his brother Caden were going to go with me. And uh, so we split off and went our separate ways and we're going down the road a little bit. And I look out in the tundra and I'm like, there's a lone bedded bull right there. I mean, we had made it a few miles and, and Connor's like, yeah, sure enough, there it is. So we, anyways, we went up and turned around and, and uh, I, I switched places with Connor. I got out of the vehicle and really it sounds crazy, but I mean, out in the tundra where this was this far north there's no really good way to sneak up on them i mean it's so flat unless you find a little berm or something like that that we were using on the other bowls but i mean you're there's a little no cover so you almost gotta like some of these spots are so wet you almost gotta nonchalantly just walk at them sometimes and they're pretty curious critters um so i'm just like i'm just gonna get out and just you know see how far he is or whatever and you know, just get as close as I can get. And he, when I got to Connor was behind me ranging and his other brother, Caden was filming and Connor's ranging. We get to sixties he ranges him at 60 and he's still bedded. I'm just like, I'm just going to shoot him right there. I'm like, he, I might as well. I feel comfortable out to 80. I'm just going to shoot him. And so I draw back and he's still in his bed and I'm just like, I'm just going to shoot him in his bed. You know, if he stands up and bolts, I'm going to wish I would have shot. And uh, this is also, this might, I hope no one takes this the wrong way, because I certainly don't mean it that way, but these caribou, they're, they're soft. If you get an arrow in them, you're probably going to get them. I mean, and it's so flat, you're going to be able to see where they bed. I'm not saying that to, to take a bad shot, but I'm just saying if you get an arrow in them, it's not like a elk or something. Um, you know, they talk about, I, I don't know, I, I'm trying to, find out try to think how to say this they're soft but they're not if you get an arrow in them you're probably going to get them but they often take several arrows because they're just tough critters if that makes sense it probably doesn't but anyways they're not going to run off with you know yeah you're not if you, get it, if you get an arrow in them your chances of getting the bull are very high yeah. um but they're they're tough critters anyways I draw back and I, I'm holding and I'm just like, I'm just going to shoot him in his bed. He's not standing up. He's just kind of looking at me like he's curious, not really alert or anything. And so I, I'm just like, I'm just going to take my time and just make a good shot. And I remember one of the last things I remember hearing is Connor just saying, take your time. And I needed to hear that because I, I mean, I was walking up on this bull. My heart was pounding. I mean, I was, there were a million thoughts going through my head and I remember just pulling back. I just put my 60, I mean, right on and I, that shot broke and I, you know, heard it hit. He jumped up out of his bed and immediately just blood started just pouring. Um, the entrance was really good, but I could see my arrow hanging out the backside out of his armpit, just a little bit low since he was bedded. And uh, anyways, the bull runs out there and he's just standing there and blood's kind of pouring out of him. And I'm like, I'm going to get another one in him. And uh, so I, we walk into 53, I hit him again, and he takes off, I mean, hauling across the tundra. And he makes it a couple hundred yards and beds down. And I, I, there, I was so jacked up at this point. I mean, even if, 
I mean, after that second shot, I was jacked up. If he would have been 20 yards, I probably would have whiffed the shot. And, and, uh, and uh, Connor, Connor stayed back, and he's, like, looking at him through the glass, and Caden was with me, walked up to me, the 53. And anyways, the bull runs off, and we start walking towards him a little ways, and Caden's like, let's just give him time. He's like, he's going to die. We're going to get this bull. And I was so shook up at this point. I was like, yeah, I just need to calm down and get my wits together. And the bull – at this point, the bedded down, started kind of cocking his head back and wasn't looking so good. And and uh, all of a sudden, he puts his head down after a couple minutes and isn't moving. And uh, I forget what time it was exactly, but we had determined we were going to give him a few minutes. We're like, if he doesn't move by this time, we're going to walk in there and we're going to go get him. Like, he's dead. And uh, I remember at this point, I'm just like, I was talking with him, I'm like, man, I feel like right now, like, like I did when we were sitting there watching my elk, you know, after I shot him and he was bedded there and, and waiting to move in on him. And, and, uh, anyways, the bull hadn't moved for a little while. I'm like, let's go get him. I'm like, I think he's dead. And we walked up there and I mean, the bull was pretty much done by then. And I put one more in him right there, point blank range. And that was it. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I remember just picking up his rack and Connor came walking over and I walked over and gave him a huge hug. And I'm just like, man, I can't believe that just happened that fast. Like we went out and we're seriously maybe 10 minutes into the hunt and the bull was right there in the wide open. I mean, just couldn't have been placed more perfect out there on the tundra. Um, but it was just crazy to think, I mean, all that, all that, uh, hard work over the summer, the hundreds or even thousands of shots, all the, podcast listen to all the research and everything about this hunt i mean it just unfolded in 15 minutes right there i mean it was just crazy to think how fast that happened but uh no we snapped some pictures broke the bowl down and got him packed out and uh back to camp within several hours and that was that um it was uh it exceeded my expectations that's for sure the hunt looked like look completely different from anything that I would have thought it would have been, but man, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. It was incredible. Yeah. No, man, that's uh yeah. I mean, this is the second time I'm hearing this story and, or maybe even third time, but, um, but no, man, it just sounds like, I mean, just quite an experience. Like, you know, they just say like Alaska is just so vast and huge and, oh everything about it's bigger the animals that live there in the country and just that, that's man. the thing man the the vastness and just how big it was was really what got to me the most that trip i didn't realize how vast it was until i got there i mean you think of what we got in the lower 48 i mean like the back country in montana or whatever you picture down here you take that times i don't even know and it's just to just think that there's hundreds of miles out there that haven't even been touched by a human hand or foot. It's yeah. just, it's crazy to think about. And you look at the mountains there. I mean, it just blows anything away that we got here. And it's just, I didn't even do a fly out hunt and I can't even imagine how much more incredible it would be to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, it's just something you try to put into words or photos, and it just doesn't even scratch the surface of that place. It's you gotta you gotta go there. I'm telling you, if whoever's listening to this, if you're a bow hunter, Alaska's somewhere you just gotta go and experience for yourself because 
I could talk about it until I'm blue in the face and show you all these pictures, but until you go there and see it for yourself, it's just, you got to do it. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, what a trip. How did you, uh, well, I'm going to assume, but you, you, uh, I'm assuming you've tried some of the meat already, huh? I did. Yeah. And that was almost a fiasco itself. Um, so I tried some tenderloin there in camp the last night with the South Dakota guys, just cooked it in some olive oil and just threw some basic seasoning on it. And it was phenomenal. Um, but I almost got my luggage lost by Delta Airlines. You know, my flights got mixed around on the way back, but uh, long story short, thanks to several phone calls and some really awesome friends, um, my meat made it back safely. I owe some people pretty huge on that. In fact, you know, Sage Gideon ended up getting my meat for me. Um, Delta Airlines, I figured by the time they got it to Ainsworth, it'd be thought out and would have lost it. But uh, they said they would deliver up to 100 miles away, so I had it delivered to him and rewarded yeah. him with some of that, told him to cook some for himself. He said it's pretty good. Yeah. So I'm actually looking forward, hoping to grill some up this weekend. Yeah. Um, like I said, we just cooked it in the pan with olive oil and it was really good, but looking forward to trying it on the grill this weekend, hopefully. So, yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know how it could be bad. <laughs> I'm sure it's fantastic. Well, uh, we might have to record an in-person one here soon and grill some up. So yeah. Yeah. I have to save a chunk for that. Yeah, no, that sounds like plan, buddy yeah man heck of a hunt that's just fantastic as i got that picture of that bull i was just like holy cow man <laughs> man i know i did it man i tried to I, that story could be hours long but i tried to give a short version of it kind of an overview uh hope to have an article kind of more in depth in the newsletter but yeah. thought i'd give an overview at least and at least give a few logistics of the hunt um like I said, if you were go to to go do it, I think you could do it reasonably for, you know, twenty five hundred. You're looking yeah. at total overall. Of course, I had several friends help me out. It didn't cost me quite that much, but still was a pretty decent chunk. Um, yeah, worth every penny if you ask me. Yeah. Um, sure. if you hit that migration right, there can be a lot of caribou around. In fact, when Trevor flew in on Friday, we went back down to Galbraith and. Sure as Nick promised me the caribou were down there and he got in on some stellar bulls and and uh passed up some opportunities on some smaller ones. I was just begging him to go after. It was killing me. Um <laughs> but then after that, you know, when the caribou move out, they move out. It can be um it can be really hot or it can be ice cold. And uh, it seems like there's really, from what I saw, really no in between. Mm -hmm. But uh when they show up, they show up, and when they do, you better hit it hard. If that means hunting from three in the morning to midnight and getting three hours of sleep, that's what it means. Yeah. Um, because yeah. you're going to regret it when they leave and they aren't around. Yeah. Got to get it when the getting's good, man. That's right. That's right. No, that's great, man. Heck of a story. Congrats on the bull. And just, yeah, man, I'm. Uh, super happy for you buddy it's just i mean that's quite the accomplishment and just to 
I don't know. I feel like that's pretty intimidating thing to just take on Alaska pretty much by yourself. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you know, I was going to, I'll admit I wasn't, uh, I wasn't at ease those first couple nights in the tent in Alaska, especially considering there's, you know, grizzlies around and stuff. Uh, it's a, it's a different feeling than just, you know, camping out on a deer hunt or something and slept with the pistol right beside my pillow there for the first couple nights. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think I'd have been right there with you, bud, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, that's awesome. Um, I guess not to switch gears too much, but anything else you wanted to add on to that, Zach? Not that I know of. I just, I can't say again how much I would, I would recommend getting to Alaska any chance you can. It'll just, man, it'll change you in, yeah. in good ways. Yeah. Um, if you, and if you seriously, I mean this, um, seriously, if you ever want to go up on, you're considering the whole road or looking at going to Alaska, I'd be glad to help you in any way that I can. Um, this, you know, if you want to talk logistics or anything more, feel free to shoot me a message or anything. Um, it's anyone's hunt really, if I can do it sure as heck anyone else can um it's a fun hunt even just going up there just to get your feet wet in alaska i highly recommend this as a first hunt to do up there if you're looking at starting to explore the last frontier with your bow and arrow that's for sure um like i said just a good hunt to get your feet wet up there and explore the state a little bit well said man well said yeah and then you got back here and kind of you had that luggage fiasco and then you started class and then and then you went and uh decided to do a little antelope hunt you want to talk about that sure i i uh went to a new spot this year i've never hunted that far west in nebraska in fact i wasn't too far from the wyoming border go another 12 miles or so Uh, i was way out west um anyways that family i lived with um, this summer out in Cheyenne, um, some of their family owned some ground by Sydney and long story short, um, they knew some people and I got in touch with several landowners out there and ended up, ended up just calling some of them and, and, uh, long story short, by the time after I'd explored the area for a half day and calling landowners and talking to others, I had permission at several spots more than know i could probably even hunt in the weekend um that's the good thing about western nebraska is if you want antelope permission all you got to do is probably just ask a landowner and he'll be more than happy to help you out anyways i thought uh i had hunted sand hills opening weekend didn't see a whole lot and kind of just wanted to you know kind of got a wild hair and wanted to go hunt another part of the state that i'd never hunted and so i made the trip out there and um had a close call the second day of the hunt and the third day the actually the second day one of the landowners texted me and said there was 20 head hanging out and a couple pivots by his house and so I went over there and glassed him up and it was a big herd buck with 18-ish does and fawns maybe um heck of a herd and I glassed up the spot and I saw kind of two spots that I could maybe brush in a blind it's just so open out there I'd tried spot and stock and ended up busting and busting a buck. I was like, man, this ain't going to work in this terrain out here. And 
fortunately I brought a ground blind with me and anyways next morning I went over there and found kind of where they were hanging out in this pivot I'm like well I could set my blind against the center pivot or they kind of had this holding pen between the two pivots that had a water tank in it I actually walked over the water tank and there are several tracks and and uh, there's a fence that divides the two pivots and a gate uh, that's wide open between the two pivots and there were several tracks around the tank and through the gate and uh, I'm like well this doesn't get much better than this I mean it's obvious the antelope are coming right through this gate and using this water tank right here and so I tossed up my blind right there by the fence wired it open so I could shoot to the left to the water tank or right in front of me to the gate um, brushed in a blind really good I had to uh, knocked down several weeds anyways in this pivot where it was waist high that I was going to have to shoot through anyway. So took a little while to get that set up and finally just got it set up, wired open the gate and could shoot 30, I think it was 30 some yards to the gate and like 15 to the tank or something. And been sitting there several hours and towards evening, does started popping over the hill into the alfalfa. And I'm like, here they come, you know this is working perfect and pretty soon the herd split in two and half the does I'd say came my way and started making their way to the fence I'm like man they're going to come right through the gate uh couldn't have been more wrong they decided to go to the top of the hill at 160 yards and decided to go under the fence instead of coming through the wide open gate right in front of me just like, an, just like a typical antelope would. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, if those does did that, the, the buck is now bedded with the rest of the does out in the middle of alfalfa. Pretty soon he starts to go over and get them up and they start coming my way. I'm like, well, they're probably going to do the same thing and go into the fence at 160. And so uh, at this point I had my window open more to shoot towards the water than to the, to the gate because I thought that's where they were going to come. And uh, so I kind of dropped the window a little more um, to shoot towards the gate. I'm like, well, if at least if they go under the fence at like, you know, 60, 70, I can get a shot uh, there uh, if, if they decide to do the same things as those, those others. So I prepared to shoot towards the fence more. And uh, sure enough, the doe started going under the fence and they were like 70 some yards away. It's like, the buck does that I'm taking the shot right there you know I'm comfortable taking that shot if he stops at 70 something and uh anyways most of the does go under the fence now a majority of the does are in the other pivot off to my right and feeding there and this one last stubborn doe um was wanting to come through the gate and the rest of the does had already gone through and were feeding in the other pivot um on the other side of the fence and and uh, this one last doe is trying to come through the gate, and she, I think, could see me that since I had dropped that window more. And man, she had me picked off. That buck, I, I don't know if he didn't know I was. I, I don't think he knew I was there. And even if he did, I don't think he cared. He was more concerned about keeping all his does in line. And man, he was paranoid about if any of them would stray off, he'd chase them right back. Uh, he didn't want to lose a single one of them. And uh, he. It was really frustrating. He would chase her right to the gate, and I ranged her several times. At, I mean, right at 40 yards, I could have shot her several times. He would chase her up to the gate. She would see me kind of get, kind of start dancing around, run over to the fence where the others had crossed, try going under, decide she didn't want to do that, run back out into the pivot, and the buck was just chasing her in circles this whole time, trying to push her through the fence. 
she couldn't make up her mind what she wanted to do. She uh, was trying to come through the gate, would see me again, or at least decide she saw something she didn't like, and run back over to the fence, and then back out into the pivot. Man, this went on several times. And uh, several times the buck was just on the other side of the gate, kind of down in this dip, and I could just see his head and part of his neck and stand behind the doe. He was like 50, 53 yards, and it's like, man, if I could just see his body, I could shoot him right there. Finally, he pushes the doe under the fence where the others had went, and he follows, and I'm just like, this is it right here. He pops right under the fence, and I'm just like, I'm going to pull back. Um, you know, it's kind of right at the end of my shooting range, but I'm comfortable. It's calm out. If I, if I get my pin on there and I'm calm and he's calm, I'm going to let him have it. And anyways, he goes under the fence where the other does did kind of up on this rise. And I see him there kind of looking down on the pivot, counting his does. So I come to full draw, I settle my pin and I'm just like, he has no idea I'm here and it's, it's calm. I'm just going to let off my safety and I kind of started to pull, pull, and that shot broke, and I just hear thwop, I mean, just loud. And the buck just takes off the dead sprint, and I lose sight of him in a split second, and his does just scatter. And so I I bail out of the blind and kind of run up, kind of creep up over the top of the hill to see if I can get an eye on him in which direction he went. Because it's, I mean, it's towards the evening. I mean, maybe half hour before dark. And I see his does running back towards the, pasture to the south and he's not with them i'm just like okay that's good and i kind of back off the off the rise i'm like i didn't need to get myself together here i'm pretty shook up right now i need to make up a follow-up shot or something and uh so i go back uh grab my rangefinder, look for my arrow for a couple minutes don't see it it's like okay i'm gonna creep up over this rise once again see if i can get an eye down on the rest of this flat to see if i can see him out there and i look down in front of me maybe 40 yards away and he's piled up right there and hmm. ended up double lunging him and uh my yeah. best goat my best goat to date so it was yeah. very i've never shot one out of a blind in nebraska so uh, that was kind of cool to do too uh it was it was a pretty cool moment it went from zero to i mean one of the highest highs of bow hunting right there in a, just a matter of minutes yeah yeah, no, that was, dude, that was a, that was a really nice goat. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a very good Nebraska goat there. Good, good specimen, good representative goat for yeah, sure. I'm one of those guys that always says any animal with the bow is a trophy and I, I'm certainly not picky with them, especially it's my favorite wild game by far. And I sincerely yeah. mean that. Um, I'd take goat over anything and yeah. uh, anyone who says otherwise, you can sure give me your extra goat meat because I'll, I'll eat it any day of the week over anything. But Same yeah. here. <laughs> Same here, man. Yeah, no, that was, that was, I mean, yeah, man, just for that to all come together, that's, that's quite the hunt, man. I mean, seriously, that's, it's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a fun hunt. You know, I, I like hunting with other people, but once in a while I like those solo hunts. And that was just one of those trips West sleeping in the back of my car and stuff. And, you know, getting to do some spot and stock getting to hunt out of a blind and try some different stuff and hunt a different area of the state. It was just a, it was a good experience overall. Um, 
one of my favorite animal puns, that's for sure. Yeah, man. Now you're getting me getting me all excited, man. Like I said, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, but Yeah, Wednesday can't come soon enough, huh? Two days here, so I'm pretty yeah. uh, pretty jazzed up. I'm ready to ready to get after it. But Oh, I bet. Antelope with a bow, man. I'm telling you, that's some of the funnest hunting a guy can do. You know, it really is. It's it's right up my alley. I like to walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do a lot of walking. You like to walk and get in a lot of stocks and get, yeah. Get, yeah. get beat a lot, then antelope hunting's just for you. Yep, exactly. If you like to be successful about one every 10 stocks or one yep. every 20 or one every 30 stocks, maybe. Yep. Um, I like it because it's just, man, it can be so fast paced. That's just, I think th- we've used this term so many times with them as cautiously aggressive, you know, you kind of yeah. just always on the move and yeah. Yeah. It's fun stuff. Absolutely, man. It's good stuff. Now I'm getting excited. I got, got stuff all kind of squared away today. I got my groceries. I'm, I'm pretty well ready. I just got to get some stuff packed up and right on. You got a full five days or. Yeah, I'll be, I'll get there Wednesday around lunchtime. And so get camp set up. That's perfect. When I say, when I say camp, I mean, I'm going to set my camper up in my buddy's yard. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but it'll be all right. And then, uh, yeah, i probably go hunt the rest of the day Wednesday. And then I got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and maybe Sunday morning. Seems like usually by the time Sunday rolls around, I know I got to, six hour drive and Perfect. little girl waiting at home to see me and my wife, yep. to see, you know, so it's just like kind of uh sort of put the pedal to the metal at that point. But yeah. Did you get but, your decoy uh, situation figured out? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah. yeah. I was actually borrowing one of one of Ryan's decoys for, for the time being. And there you go. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll be able to, have them send uh send my send the actual antelope decoy i guess i should tell the story i ordered an antelope decoy mm-hmm. and they uh got the box the other day and pull it out and and uh you know opened it up and i pull out the decoy i remember thinking like when i grabbed the box i'm like man this is kind of heavy for a for an antelope decoy like geez i wonder you know i wonder what they make this thing out of so i pulled it out of the box and kind of looking at it and i'm like uh this is this is a cow elk decoy oh man i was like thinking well then i was thinking well shoot did i like order the wrong thing and so i look at the invoice and it says you know antelope decoy and i'm just looking at it and i thought well maybe they put it in like the wrong box and so i open up the box i'm like no it's definitely Definitely a cow elk decoy. So that's awesome. Don't think antelope would come to cow elk, but you never know until you try. Never know, man. Yeah, maybe I ought to take it along just in case. I mean, I have seen I saw a bull out there one year when yeah, I might just think it's an elk or something. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh <laughs> no, I think that was that was pretty funny. I was cracking up pretty good when you told me that. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know it's Friday the you know, weekend before or Friday before Labor Day. Yeah, so. Of course they are going to ship. Yeah. Ship on Labor Day. So no, I'm glad you got it figured out though. No. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fine. I mean, I got a hat too and stuff. So I'll, 
Tell you what, don't don't knock the hat. We got charged yeah. three times on Saturday with the hat. Yeah, no, that's a, yeah. You're telling me that's crazy. No, I I'll probably. I mean, I like using that. Honestly, it's just handy because you know, it is hands yeah. free and and it for some reason fits like really well on top of my ball cap. So I just kind of throw it on there and. Yeah, it's nice to have, especially when you're alone. You know, you don't have to stake the decoy in, and it's just yep. less yep. movement you have to do, and just more convenient and it works like i said don't knock it i've seen it work several times yeah absolutely um, had one yeah charged us this weekend came right in and uh dad got a shot at him so yeah i'm hoping uh, i'm hoping that maybe this being a little later maybe they're getting jazzed up so maybe they'll be I assume so yep first week more. of september that's usually when they start kicking up pretty good yeah um, for sure picked a good time to go that's for sure yeah, no, I'm I'm excited and chomping at the bit and seeing some of our fellow NBA members getting some some antelope shot and stuff. So that's been good to see. As glad uh, glad people have been getting out for sure. So it's uh, yeah, I'm just I'm ready. <laughs> just oh, ready. I can sit here and talk about it all day, but I just want to get on the road. I don't know, I don't know how how I'm gonna work tomorrow, but. I'll survive somehow. I might have to call in sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that I was actually, I mean, I wasn't going to do that, but I was thinking about that. I was like, what if I did call in sick? And then I was kind of thinking, you know, that just like opens up a whole can of worms nowadays. I don't even want to mess with that. No. I'm going to say if the doctor gets COVID, is that a 10 day quarantine there? Yeah. I don't know. Probably. I don't Sounds know. like a 10 day antelope hunt to me. Yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, shoot. But, well, anyhow, man, I suppose uh, maybe we'll wrap this up, huh? I think we got got some good content here, got some good stories, and I think uh, we'll uh, try to be a little more diligent and get another one out here a little quicker. So I don't, I don't know if I had one out in August, which is my bad, but yeah, we should, happens uh, is what we it should. is. But should try to get a few cranked out here and get some more regular content or get some NBA members on here that, man, we've had a lot of success in, uh, in all of our members lately, some really good bucks, some, some antelopes, some elk starting to roll yeah. in. Oh man. Uh, yeah. He's, there's all sorts of, uh, things been critters been hitting the dirt already. I don't even might know. have to just do an episode of pure NBA member success stories. Cause yeah. Man, it's it's been a incredible. We've only been open. Look at the date here. Not even a week, and I know. And man, there's huge bucks and bulls and all kinds of stuff dying. But yeah, yeah, it's good to see. Absolutely. So, all right, man. Well, I think that's a wrap, huh? Yes, that's a wrap. Hopefully, uh. Good. Hopefully you'll be hearing from us again soon. Yeah, and hopefully I'm telling you a story about my dead antelope next time. So <laughs> I hope so. Hopefully I can get it done. They're always kind of my nemesis, so I'm really we'll see how it goes this year. But I'm always cautiously optimistic. So <laughs> that's how you gotta be. Yep. Anywho, um, well guys, this is Kyle Clomber. And this is Zach Welch. And this is Good Life Bow Hunter, official podcast of the NBA. 
Have a good rest of your season, guys. We'll be chatting again soon.